It's time for the Fantasy Points Podcast, brought to you by FantasyPoints.com. Top-level fantasy football and NFL betting analysis from every perspective and angle, from numbers to the film room, with a single goal to help you score more fantasy points. All across the fantasy universe, welcome everybody from wherever you are, down here to the man cave. It's the Two Point Stance, powered by FantasyPoints.com. I'm Brian Drake, your host for this fine podcast on Twitter at Drake Fantasy. Riding shotgun with the managing editor of FantasyPoints.com, Mr. Joe Dolan. Joe, what's going on, buddy? How are you? Drake, I am in the process of posting my uh, my mismatch report right now. Um, I am... Uh... I have been affected, I think I would say, by the uh, by the the hats I'm wearing, and well, both literal and figurative, um, and the the length of the season that always feels like it goes quick, but you just it's it feels like it goes quick because you have so much to do during it that you mm-hmm. don't even uh, you don't even realize how much time is passing. But uh, I'm excited to talk some football with you. Excited to talk um, some Week Eleven slate. Uh, we're recording this before the Thursday night game, so there's obviously going to be Thursday night takeaways that we will not get to. But I'm excited for that game, Drake. You know, uh, I'm really uh, we we got a good one here in, in Week 11 on Thursday night that I'm excited for. But uh, unfortunately, by the time you listen to this, that game is over, and you already know what happened. I don't know what happened yet, so uh, it's a it's a fun moment for me. Yes, and as you folks are listening to this, I'm working off a hangover for going out and watching the game with my buddies. And we know you've got trade deadlines abound in fantasy leagues across America. So I hope everybody is working, you know, the phones. They're trying to make a trade. Maybe this podcast today will give you a couple of nuggets to help you go and make an insightful trade and and push for the playoffs. Let's start out, Joe, in Charlotte, where the Carolina Panthers will host the Dallas Cowboys. Cowboys come into this game 10.5-point favorites. Are you going to lay the 10.5 on, on Dallas, or you think Carolina can cover that? Uh, this is this is Dallas or, or, or bust for me. I mean, I can't possibly lay this with Carolina. Dallas absolutely um, has been bullying some of these bad opponents on their on their schedule obviously they've played the Giants twice blown them out twice they played the Jets they've blown them out um I I would anticipate this being another blowout I don't know how I could take Carolina in this spot Drake they're going back and forth on play callers yeah yeah I want now Frank Wright could be taken back over the play calling duty this week that could be a good thing though for Adam Thielen who was really you know coming out of his shell is this you know everyone knows Adam Thielen he's this 80 year old white guy that plays corner or uh, wide receiver in the NFL He's having like wide receiver one type season, like overall wide receiver one type season for a while. Uh, And now Frank Reich's back. Maybe we see a little more Adam Thielen. Could be a great buy low after a few slow weeks for Thielen before your trade deadline. Yeah, so um, I I would think the the, the only real good news for Thielen, if you need Thielen, is the fact that they're probably going to be playing from behind. I don't know how much of a one or two game sample I'm going to read into with Thomas Brown calling the plays. Um, they tried something that didn't work. Um, I I can't get really excited about anybody here, Drake, no. for, for Carolina. And look, they're playing from behind, but Bryce Young is going to be under siege. The left side of their offensive line has been an absolute disaster. And I would anticipate that the Cowboys are going to pick on that offensive line i think the cowboys roll in this one and my question to you for you is does it even matter with tony pollard because last week everybody for the cowboys scored i think they got eric bjornson in the end zone and they still couldn't get tony pollard in i i mean you have to look at this and say look the game flow is in his favor will mike mccarthy actually call play for him at the goal line this week he hasn't scored a touchdown since week one are you kidding me? And I'm pulling this from Brawley's uh, article about the uh, the game hubs. Last week, 5.5 fantasy points on 15 touches in a game where the Cowboys scored 49 points and put up 640 yards. I actually just had Tony Pollard offered to me. This is a dynasty league, Joe. A uh, guy goes, hey, listen, I see you need a running back. Uh, I'll give you Tony Pollard. I go, oh, all right, for what? He's like, uh Michael Wilson done. I'll take Michael. uh, I'll take Tony Pollard right there. That's, that's a great trade for me, I think, but is Tony Pollard somebody you'd want to trade for 
seeing how the Cowboys now are so pass happy and, and Lamb is playing like one of the best receivers in the league and Ferguson is on fire. Is Pollard a, a, a buy low or are you just, I'm staying away from it. He looks bad. I mean, I think, I, I think everything, every metric points to him being a buy low. And maybe he doesn't look great, but I, I would still say he is a buy low. But the problem is we're now at week 11, Drake. There's only like three weeks left until the playoffs. So, uh, look, I, I'd probably buy now. But keep in mind, with Dallas being pass heavy, their month of December is, is brutal. Their month of November is easy. It's an easy-peasy schedule. It's kind of flipped from the Eagles. The Eagles go from an awful November to an easy December. The Cowboys go from an easy November to an awful December. So the, the schedule gets harder down the stretch for Dallas, which also might affect the way uh, you, you, treat, uh, you treat Tony Pollard this week. Tony Pollard's playoff schedule, 15-16-17 at Buffalo, at Miami, home for Detroit. So if you're thinking of buying on Mr. Tony Pollard, you know, elsewhere in this game, Chuba Hubbard, he's kind of taken over that role for Miles Sanders. Who really cares? You're going to start all your Cowboys and uh, Cowboys should roll in this one. Now, this next game on the docket was supposed to be a great game, and now it is flipped, turned upside down to quote uh, the Fresh Prince. Pittsburgh Steelers head to Cleveland to take on the now Deshaun Watson-less Browns and everybody in Cleveland was over the moon just uh, seven days ago when, you know, they look like they're ready to contend for the Super Bowl, Joe. And now DTR is at quarterback. You know, I'm putting out tweets. People are skewering me for thinking that there may be something afoot here with this Watson injury, but that's neither here nor there. And the Steelers have changed their identity, Joe. They are a run the football team. It is Jalen Warren. It is Najee Harris. Maybe we'll sprinkle in a little Deontay here and there, but I think they fundamentally changed the identity of their offense with Matt Canada. And what happened was they got Broderick Jones, their first round pick in the starting lineup, and they've started to run behind him, and he's been incredible for them. Uh, Season highs in rushing yards in back-to-back games, 166 to 205. Season high in yards per carry, 5.5 to 5.7 in back-to-back games for the Steelers. And I expect that will continue um, against, look, the way Cleveland's going to beat you right now, you would think, with with no Deshaun Watson, is by playing defense and playing the field position game and creating turnovers with Miles Garrett. I would expect that Najee Harris and Jalen Warren are once again going to be the focal point of their offense in this game. And I don't know how you feel good about playing Deontay Johnson or George Pickens right now outside of like a wide receiver two, wide receiver three, because in a 33 and a half point total game, which is what this is, one of the lowest we've seen all year, I would expect that the Steelers are going to lean on the run with Najee Harris and Jalen Warren, who are both solid RB2s for me. When you talk about the run game on the other side, Kareem Ford, or Jerome Ford, excuse me, and Kareem Hunt. I almost I combined the guys together and meshed them into one running back. And maybe a lot of fantasy owners wish that was the case and they were just one guy. Graham Barfield has a great note here. Across their last five games together, Kareem Hunt has 14 carries inside the 20. Jerome Ford, just three. I've gotten question after question from folks on Twitter. And feel free to shoot me your start sits at Drake Fantasy. Joe's, of course, FG underscore Dolan. People are like, should I start Jerome Ford? Now, now, you know, they're going to have the backup playing and they're going to be running the football a lot more. Here's my thoughts on the Browns. They are, yes, they're going to try to run the football because they have to with DTR at quarterback, but they're not going to sustain the drives that they did. And with Jerome Ford not getting looks at the goal line and just kind of being this between the 20s runner, I worry about Jerome Ford going forward for fantasy. I mean, he slips down from maybe somebody you're you're playing as your RB2 to now you're like, Maybe he's your flex. Yeah. Maybe you look to see if somebody's better can jump him. Well, yeah, and he's he's there between the 20s guy, which in theory might be okay because I think they're going to be between the 20s more often than they're going to be in the red zone now uh, with DTR. But Kareem Hunt could still get those high-calorie touches in what few of them they have. It's a downgrade for the entire offense, and yeah. it's especially a downgrade, Drake, for Amari Cooper. I mean, listen to the numbers here. Uh, Amari Cooper. Despite Deshaun Watson really not playing well, and I would, I, I think you would still argue the the cruel irony. Um, I called it the cruel irony or the um, perfect karma of Deshaun Watson um, now being shut down after his best half of football. 
uh, as a Cleveland Brown. He went 14 to 14 against the Ravens. But here is the guy that you definitely know is the most affected. It's Amari Cooper. Cooper has played five games this year in which Watson started and or played the majority of the game. In those games, Cooper averages 14.8 half PPR fantasy points to just 7.5 half PPR fantasy points in the game Watson didn't play. That's the difference straight between being the wide receiver nine and the wide receiver 59 for the full season. Eesh. Holy cow, what a stat. So that's not very it, it that's the guy who gets affected the most because this is this hasn't been a very good fantasy team in general. And obviously the whole offense gets a downgrade, but Cooper is the guy who is the most useful fantasy player here. And it would be shocking if he's anything more than a wide receiver three the rest of the way. People are asking me, should I pick up Petty Fryermuth? He's, you know, coming off of injury. And I said, you know what? Nah. I mean, unless you're totally desperate, but again, this is an offense that's not looking to throw the football right now. And they got a plethora of options. So I'm not running the waiver wire to pick up Pat Fryermuth. Yeah, it's fine. Uh, you could do it. Um, He's probably going to end up being just like in the t- uh, I would actually reckon he's going to be kind of like Kyle Pitts, right? Oh, he's going to catch four for 45 and hope he scores a touchdown, which hasn't happened much for Kyle Pitts this year. No. Chicago goes to the Motor City to take on the Detroit Lions. This could be a fun one because looks like Justin Fields is going to play uh, returning from that hand injury. The Lions at home seven and a half point favorites over the Bears. Uh, but if you're a Bears fan, you got to feel a little better right now. Okay, you got Fields coming back. It looks like you can run the football with Foreman. Maybe Khalil Herbert plays this week. So you got some things cooking. They're going in the right direction. I don't know if you necessarily want to win games if you're the Bears, but if you're a fan and you're tired of losing, you know, hey, it's going in the right direction. Uh, for the Detroit Lions, I mean, listen, look at these two running backs. It is the Gibbs. And Montgomery show, Joe, and maybe more Gibbs now. Uh, they finished first and eighth last week in fantasy points. Uh, and if you talk about usage, I'm pulling this from Scott Barrett's everything report. Gibbs out snapped Montgomery 37 to 24, out carried him 14 to 12, and out targeted him 5 0 in Montgomery's return. I mean, it looks like Gibbs may be the one in this two man, one two punch. Well, he did a little interview here, um, and forgive me, I I don't remember the exact source. I just saw it kind of go across my Twitter timeline where he said that uh, Montgomery was the guy who let him clean up one of the touchdowns. So Montgomery was still supposed to be in at the goal line on one of Gibbs' two one-yard touchdowns. So keep that in mind uh, for this week. Uh, Look, I think you put – but it's not like you're making lineup decisions based on that, though, right? Maybe DFS Mm -hmm. decisions, but – what kind of team would you have to have right now where you're not playing Jameer Gibbs or David Montgomery? You'd have oh, to. Yeah. They, I can't imagine you're loaded enough at running back to to sit those guys. Either one of them. What about for the Bears? Foreman has been a nice story. Uh, you know, Foreman. I you look at some of the numbers that he's had, and you know, if you picked him up and plugged him in, you know, he's coming through for you. Khalil Herbert coming back into the mix now. You know, could throw a monkey wrench. Could he become a guy who really does take the third down role? You know, he's not horrible on early downs. Uh, if Khalil Herbert maybe is on a waiver wire, are you looking to pick him up or maybe trade for him for absolutely nothing late in the season? He's fine as a bench guy, but why would they go away from what what Foreman's given them with like 15 to 20 carries a game? By the way, uh, with our trench metrics at fantasypoints.com, the Bears actually have our number one rush grade of the week. Four of the Lions' five highest games in terms of yards before contact allowed have come over the last six weeks, while the Bears over the last five weeks have opened the fifth most yards before contact. And keep in mind that that's overall mostly without Justin Fields, who helps a run game open yards before contact with his legs. So this run game, I expect, is where the Bears are going to lean. And we haven't really seen Fields with Deontay Foreman. I think they're going to stick with Deontay Foreman, Drake. You mentioned that metric, and I've gone over to Fantasy Points data and pulled it up right now. What a great tool to utilize, folks. Uh, I, I have the offensive line, defensive line metrics. It gives you the rush grades, the pass grades for the offensive line against the defensive line for rushing, for passing, gives some great defensive stats about pressure rate and all that. And we can put that to the test in this next game, Chargers at Packers. So the Chargers, believe it or not, are three-point favorites on the road. You know this game's coming down to some wacky play 
Uh, the, whoever's got the ball yeah. last and a no ball's going to bounce way off the helmet. I'm laying that. No way I'm laying that, Drake. <laughs> hell no. Not a chance in hell am I laying that. The Packers see the best pass grade for their line going up against, which is crazy, against uh, Khalil Mack, Bosa, and the Chargers here. So it looks like this could this be a day possibly for Jordan Love and can Christian Watson turn it around? He's been brutal, Joe. He's killing people out there in fantasy. I saw in a league somebody dropped his ass. Uh, I don't blame, blame them. What what he's dropping passes. Jordan Love's missing him. It's it's just a, a complete mess out there. I don't do you how can you possibly blame somebody for dropping Christian Watson right now? It's one of those things where it's just all name. And I'm looking at, again, Scott Barrett's everything report at fantasypoints.com. Since week five, Watson leads the league in end zone targets uh, and eighth in deep targets per game. But it's like he can't come through. There's off target passes. He's dropping them. The, the, I don't It's just it's a bad fit out here right now. And I, I don't know that you got Jaden Reed. You got Romeo Dobbs. So it's kind of like Kansas City where you're just giving the ball to a bunch of mm-hmm. random guys and hoping that, that something hits. Jaden Reed's been their best receiver. He's their most trustworthy guy right now. And I think he, right now, Jordan loves the kind of quarterback who's throwing the ball to somebody he trusts. And that's Jaden Reed. Yeah. I'm looking it's at a mess Jayden right Reed. now. Jaden Reed is available in 70% of Yahoo leagues. He's their best. At, yeah, he's their best running back right now. Yeah. Or receiver I mean, right now. He's coming off a five-target, five-reception, 84-yard touch in one touchdown game uh, last week. And the Packers have a really good schedule coming up for their pass game. Chargers this week, and then going into the fantasy playoffs, you look, Giants, Bucks, uh, you know, at Carolina is not great, but then they finish up in the playoffs at Minnesota. So, uh, you know, maybe some of these Packers can make a little hay for you going forward. Uh, after what was what the the number one running back of the week two weeks ago with Aaron Jones he kind of fell back to earth uh, a, a little bit uh, a week ago. What do you think of this run game? And I think the know, whole offense is broken, man. Yeah, I mean, like Aaron Jones can't get it going. You've got um, obviously AJ Dillon was the guy who busted off the long run. I think the whole offense is broken right now because the quarterback is so inconsistent and they can't generate anything uh, with any sort of the, the coaches can't really understand, can't really expect what's going to happen on any given play because the quarterback has been so bad from a clean pocket. Jordan Love has the most games in the NFL for when, and this is just when not pressured. At Fantasy Points Data, we can separate out pressure metrics. He has the most games in the NFL when, from a clean pocket, completing less than 60% of his throws, and the most games in the NFL when throwing multiple interceptions from a clean pocket this year. So Jordan Love, it's it, the offensive line is, is completely separated from what he's doing in this metric, and he's still struggling. And I think coaches are like, we can scheme it, we can block it, and we still don't know if we're going to execute it. And that's a problem. And it's and it's probably teasing them because Jordan Love is so talented and they have some talent on offense that they make big plays regardless. So it's inconsistent, but it also kind of works at times because of some big plays. It's really one of those weird offenses where they're like, man, we can't go to the backup because we're not even going to get the big plays. But I think that's been the problem for Green Bay. And that's probably the hardest kind of offense to coach when you can yeah. call it correctly and nonetheless everything goes wrong and the quarterback can still make a play because he's so gifted that's what's up with green bay in my opinion speaking of gifted quarterbacks justin herbert what a way to to rebound after a, a couple of bad weeks there 323 yards and four touchdowns a week ago against the Lions. A little tougher ma- tougher matchup here against the Packers. Looks like he's going to have Keenan Allen. He did practice on Thursday. So as someone like myself who's got Keenan Allen on a team that desperately needs a win, I am lighting candles, saying many prayers for our, our good pal out there in L.A. And then you've got Quinton Johnston, Jalen Guyton, who's going to kind of be this number two out there. And you know, Guyton's a guy who was a deep threat for a while. He went four for 41 in a touchdown, saw six targets. If you got to take a shot on either of these guys, do you have a preference, Joe, in a deep, probably, deep league? 
probably Johnston just because he's the guy who I think they're going to try to force feed targets to to get it get his development going. But I don't have a really heavy lean either way. All right, Arizona. Boy, did they look like a different team. They're going to Houston to take on the Texans. These might be the two teams getting the most talk in fantasy circles or just general NFL circles the past week or so. Houston, a four-and-a-half-point home favorite. This should be really, really fun. Boy, how about Kyler Murray coming back, looking like the old Kyler Murray, running all over the place, finding our guy Trey McBride. If you look at the last two games that Trey McBride has played, I mean, he looks like Travis Kelsey 2.0 out there. He's unbelievable. Eight for 131 on nine targets for Trey McBride. I, I've got him in every league in America, and I'm just rolling him out there for the rest of the season. I, I love it. I, I can't believe that this guy could turn into a league winner, and you got him off the waiver wire in week 10. And, and look, uh, our guy Chris Wecht has said, you know, since he's really taken over um, here following the Zach Ertz demotion, you look at his numbers, or not Zach Ertz demotion, but he should have been demoted. But Zach Ertz, uh, looking at Zach Ertz's injury, his route share, his target share, all would have been numbers that would have ranked him as like the best tight end in fantasy football last year, even above Kelsey and Andrews. That's how involved he's been. And it was a great sign to me that in Kyler Murray's first game, this was the guy he trusted with over. 50% of his of his passing yards. It was Trey McBride he trusted. So this is a phenomenal, phenomenal sign. Um, and I don't know how you could possibly sit him in any league right now. James Conner came back from injury. And, you know, if, if you want to talk about a bell cow, you can just lean on our friend Graham Barfield, who talked about James Conner this week. First game back, 84% of the carries, 84% of the backfield expected points, 80% snap rate in the red zone. I mean, it's just the James Conner show. Now, he didn't catch any passes. I don't even think he saw a target. But there's a guy, even with a really tough schedule coming up and a bye week still. Including this maybe, week, by the way. Yep. Maybe you can buy low uh, and, and get Conner as your flex, your RB2, whatever the case may be. But uh, I'm a big fan of, of James Conner just because he's going to see every touch out there. So. Yeah. Uh, love what I'm seeing from from Arizona going forward. Fun offense. Kyler Murray, you know, is going to be a guy who's probably a top ten quarterback for the rest of the season. So like, yeah, James Conner, sixteen of the nineteen touches in the backfield um, that uh, last week. Also, the problem is the matchup. Over the last five weeks, Houston's allowed the fewest yards before contact per attempt on the ground, and they haven't allowed more than seventy five non scramble rush yards over that stretch either but they're going to have to continue to manage the loss of Hassan Ridgeway. They lost him to a torn Achilles a couple of weeks ago, Drake. And also linebacker Denzel Perryman just got suspended. Um, so I don't know if that's going to dissuade me from playing Connor just because he is guaranteed to get touches, but just understand it could be tough sledding by the numbers. For Houston, I mean, you're probably nauseated at this point from all the love for, for CJ Stroud. I mean, it's, it's, it's bordering now on the TV shows stop talking about Aaron Rodgers, and now all they talk about is CJ Stroud. So. Yeah, now now you put him in the, the I think the rookie of the year race is pretty much over, so you now have to put uh, him, CJ Stroud, in the MVP race. Which I can't go there. I heard people talking about that. I go, this is a yeah, mediocre at best team. I mean, you're going to give it to him over Jalen Hurts or Patrick Mahomes or one of only these guys. if Come the on. Texans go on a run. Only yeah, if the Texans go on eleven wins. Yeah, if they go on a run, then then you're then they're in good shape. But it, uh, but if he does, if they don't go on a run and make the playoffs, then he's not going to win the MVP. But it just goes to show you how good he's been that people are even talking about it. Uh, we do have to discuss though, Drake, the fact that um, Noah Brown has missed practice on both Wednesday and Thursday. Uh, not looking good for him. Oh, so Noah Brown, and he's the guy who God, the Cowboys wish they had him, huh? Yeah, they if sure he do. comes out of nowhere the last two weeks and he's setting the fantasy world on fire. It looks like Nico Collins is going to play. I think he practiced today, right? Uh, yeah, and, and uh, he also told reporter uh, Will Kunkel on Wednesday that he planned to play. Now, keep in mind, players always tell reporters they plan to play, but mm -hmm. um, that that's looking uh, pretty good for him. And, of course, I think Devin Singletary, Wally Pip, Damian Pierce, even if Damian Pierce plays. Yeah. I dropped Devin Singletary a week ago in a league that, well, that I probably happens. could use. I know. Uh, it's like 
he, after Damian Pierce missed and you're like, this is his opportunity. And then he shat the bed, did Singletary. And then he went nuts in the second week. That that's the kind of stuff that's been happening in fantasy football this year. I know Singletary puts up back to back weeks of 30 and 26 yards, then rumbles 30 for a buck 50 and one against the Bengals of all teams. Give me a break. Uh, but if you got Devin Singletary, I mean, it's a good matchup with Arizona this week. You trust in him as maybe your RB two or flex. Yeah. I think that's. I think you can absolutely trust him as an RB two or flex this week. Okay, okay. You know, Dalton Schultz keeps doing his thing. So basically, if you got a, a Houston Texan, just get their asses in your lineup. Okay, here's a, a case of two teams that are, uh, you know, trying to find themselves right now. Tennessee and Will Levis are going to go to Jacksonville to take on the Jaguars. Jaguars six and a half point favorites in this one really got thumped when they stepped up in competition a week ago. Now the talk is, what's the story with Trevor Lawrence? Is he really maybe not as good as we think? Are his mechanics a little wonky? Why can't uh, Calvin Ridley get open down the field? He's been a major disappointment for fantasy. So Huge. a lot of question marks with this Jacksonville team. Yeah, um, Trevor Lawrence has been um, a disappointment. And this is a perfect study of how it's capable – you're capable of being a disappointment without being bad. Nobody's saying Trevor Lawrence is bad. Uh, nobody's saying the Jaguars should look to replace him or that there wouldn't be an absolutely gigantic market for him if the Jaguars were going to replace him. But it's fair to say that he has been disappointing. You know, um, he has one more game, Drake, in his career, despite being in the same draft class. Trevor Lawrence has one more game with 300 or more passing yards than Davis Mills has. In case you're wondering, Davis Mills hasn't played a game this year. Davis Mills should never play again. <laughs> but I don't know about that. I mean, like, how many quarterbacks have we seen this year worse than Davis Mills? Uh, that's the problem. We need retraction in the NFL. I, I don't ever want to hear about we're going to put a team in London. No, we need less teams. In we the do. I, I think that's fair. Uh, we've also had a really just bad run of luck in terms of uh, in terms of uh, injuries and stuff, haven't we? We've just we've just had a, a bad run of luck with quarterback injuries. But now, dude, I I mean, look, Trevor Lawrence, it's not working. Uh, I think Press Taylor isn't a particularly good offensive coordinator. Um, look, we know that Press Taylor Drake is somebody Doug Peterson fell on the sword for in Philadelphia, and Unreal. Jeffrey Lurie. And and look, I've had this confirmed. Mm -hmm. Like, or at least, or at least suggested that I'm not far off that Doug Peterson, when Jeffrey Lurie was like, Hey, Doug, they decided that Peterson was the guy they wanted to keep instead of Carson Wentz. If they were going to keep one of the two, Peterson had kind of won that little feud, I guess you would call it. Mm -hmm. But the owner, Jeffrey Lurie said, Doug, we need you to make some changes to your offensive staff. And Doug was like, no, I'm not going to do that. And they fired him. And now Doug's kind of fallen on the sword. I, I don't know if Doug Peterson's job's in, in jeopardy here. They're still in first place. We, let's not like light this thing on fire right now. It's not like they're sitting there at two and seven. But I think the offensive staff is a problem. And here is one of the other problems, Drake. Zay Jones, Okay. He's injured. He's got an injury, and now he has potential legal troubles. Arrested on a misdemeanor domestic charge. I don't want to. I don't know the details there, but it's a fact. You know, he was arrested there. In the three games in which uh, Zay Jones has played this year, Calvin Ridley averages sixteen point six fantasy points per game. In the six games in which he has not played, he's at seven point five. So there's there's a reverse split there. And I think it's because Zay Jones plays X when Zay Jones plays and Calvin Ridley plays X when Zay Jones doesn't play. And I don't know if Calvin Ridley's suited to be an X. The numbers surely would suggest he is not suited to be an X receiver. Nonetheless, this is a gorgeous matchup for Calvin Ridley. Uh, over the last five weeks, the Titans have been a phenomenal matchup for outside wide receivers. 8.2 schedule-adjusted fantasy points per game. No team's better be, been a better matchup. Tennessee's primary outside um, corner, Christian Fulton, this year, has given up a fifth-most yards per route run among cornerbacks with 100 or more coverage snaps. And in Week 10 against the Bucks, to cover for the loss of Sean Murphy bunting, they moved Roger McCreary outside, and he gave up the 13th-most 
yards last week. So Murphy Bunnings dealing with a thumb injury might be back this week, but this is a great matchup for Calvin Ridley. Can he get off the schneid? But I just think the loss of Zay Jones has had way more of an effect on the Jaguars than anybody could have reasonably expected. Yeah, that's that's a great stuff there. Good nuggets. Uh, good matchup for ETN. You know, prior to the last few weeks, people would say, oh, you can't run on the Titans. Well, as Lee Corso famously said, not so fast, my friend, because you can. The Titans have given up the fourth most rushing yards per game to running back since week five. So he's got a good shot here. On the other side, DeAndre Hopkins, boy, he's hoping Tyson Campbell can't go. Uh, really good matchup for Nuke Hopkins. Jags allowing the second most yards per game to outside wide receivers. So let's see if we can get him going. DeAndre Hopkins, interesting guy. I know in some leagues I'm thinking, like, should I try to buy DeAndre Hopkins? I mean, Jesus, he's the only guy they throw to on this team. They don't throw to Chig, and you can't get Traylon Burks healthy. Like, maybe that's a, a nice guy you'd like to have for some upside down the stretch, but. Who knows? We'll see. Good matchup right. for uh, for uh, Hopkins, too, by the way. Uh, doesn't look like Tyson Campbell, the Jags' top corner, is going to play. He aggravated his hamstring injury last week. Already cost him about a month, so that's a that's a good matchup for them. Raiders going to South yeah. Beach. The Raiders. Boy, there yeah. they Raiders are 12.5-point dogs to the Miami Dolphins. I don't know if that should be the case, but, you know. But the Raiders are playing a little above their heads. That that the every year there's a team in week 10 where you're like, I can't believe that team's 500 and this team's that team's the Raiders. Maybe the Bills are too, just because uh on the negative side, but there's always a bad team who's won way more games than you thought. A lot of verbiage coming out from Antonio Pierce. A lot of sound bites about Josh Jacobs talking about he's the heartbeat of the team. We need to run the damn ball. This guy was a linebacker, mind you, Antonio Pearson. He's saying these things. Usually that's what you hear from some of these donkey offensive linemen, uh, tight end turn head coaches. But, I mean, if the coach is saying this and he just put the ball in his belly 27 times for a buck 16 against the Jets, I mean, I'm okay. Like, maybe we should be buying into this too. I absolutely think that Antonio Pierce's entire philosophy this week is and I'm not saying that he won't get that job and not saying that they aren't playing for him, but I do think he's oh, he's a linebacker. I don't, I'm going to push back a little on you, Drake, there. I think he is kind of old school, and I think he's going to be one of those, hey, we got to keep the Dolphins off the field, so we're going to give Josh Jacobs the ball 30 times. And, and unless what? the Dolphins come out and blow him out from the start, um, I would, I would think that um, – Unless they come and blow them out from the start, I would think that Josh Jacobs is going to get 20-plus carries in this game. I think it that seems is entirely like, going to be their, their their MO. I like what Pierce says. We want to get the ball to our best players. Imagine that in this day and age. Let's get the ball to Devontae Adams. Let's get the ball to Jacoby Myers. Put it in the belly of Josh Jacobs. So I'm for it. I, I, I like seeing that. If there's a chance for you to buy on Josh Jacobs, I doubt there is in your leagues out there, but might be uh, worthwhile to go look at. For the Dolphins, they've got the number one rush grade of the week against this Raiders D-line. And, oh, by the way, they're going to welcome back Devon Achan to the mix. So everyone's going to be looking for fireworks here. You got Mostert. You got Achan back. He's missed four games with this knee injury. Could just be, hey, let's line up and run it down their damn throats. If you got HN, I know I don't think anybody's going to be sitting this kid this week. No, if I'm he's active, him. you're starting him. Yeah, there's uh, and some in the numbers here. You have to remember this is before the injury, but it's not like Raheem Raheem Mostert hasn't been bad since HN got hurt. Nobody's even mm-hmm. nobody's going to argue that. But these are the numbers before the injury, and HN's been just I, I think Mostert's been just okay to pretty good since HN went down. Um, led this backfield in carries and routes in weeks three to five ahead of Raheem Mostert did A-Chan. He was the clear lead back in the red zone. In their three games together, A-Chan outsnapped Mostert 65 to 30 inside the 10, and he had seven carries and four targets inside the 10 in just three games. That's obviously a concern if that continues for Mostert moving forward because he handled 73% of the carries inside the 10 when A-Chan was out. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Nice little nugget here, too, uh, on this game. 
The Raiders are giving up the second most adjusted yards before contact on this week's slate. So whew, fantasy points data giving you some info here telling you maybe you want to put A-Chan and Mostert in some DFS lineups too because I got a feeling they're going to be running wild uh, in this one. Oh boy, the Giants and Danny DeVito go to Washington to play the Commanders. Uh, I, I can't call him Tommy DeVito. And I'm glad he transferred out of Syracuse so that people don't say like, hey, Tommy DeVito from Syracuse. No, keep him in Illinois for the year he was there. Uh, Commanders, eight and a half point home favorites here. You know what this comes down to for me? I got guys asking me left and right now, like, can I just start Sam Howell for the rest of the year? And I think the answer is probably yes. They throw the ball all day long. Just he's 300-yard game after 300-yard game after 300-yard game. The hell with it. Just put Sam Howell in your lineup and forget about it, Joe. I said earlier this season, Sam Howell's, by the way, thrown for 300 yards four times this year, including three consecutive games. Mm -hmm. I said it earlier. How many of these games statistically, and I understand there's there's often a disconnect between statistics and film, but how many of the, these games statistically would you have liked to see Trevor Lawrence play that Sam Howell's put out there? Yeah. I mean, let's be honest. He's got offensive guru Doug Peterson down there pulling the trigger for him. I mean, it's helped Travis Etienne this year, but yeah, come on. Let's like let's have some other quarterbacks open it up and throw the ball like Sammy Howell. Howell has played truly eh, let's say let's let's let, let's say he's played two really bad games he had obviously the four interception game against buffalo and then he had the game in which they scored seven points against the giants last time i think they're going to score way more points this time out against the giants i like sam Howe. and right now the commanders are four and six I don't know if they're going to the playoffs, but there's obviously maybe they hit a stretch where they win a few games in a row and the rest of the NFC kind of falls and they do get there. I don't view quarterback as perhaps their most pressing need. Like Sam Howell is not even in the bottom 10 of quarterbacks we watch every week, including one on the other side of the field in this one. Like who's who's been worse than Sam Howell? Obviously, Tommy DeVito. But let's look at guys who are starting right now. Who's worse than Sam Howell? Tommy DeVito's worse than Sam Howell. Bryce okay. Young is worse than Sam Howell. I'm going yeah, to Pittsburgh-Cleveland. Give me Sam Howell over both those guys this week. And even if Deshaun Watson was playing, give me Sam Howell over both those guys this week. Raiders, Chicago, O'Connell. Yeah, yeah, Aiden O'Connell. Chicago, he's better than both Bajan and Fields. Green Bay, he's better than Jordan Love. He's not better than Stroud, and, and I, I won't take him over Kyler just yet, but he's better than Will Levis. I'm not going to take Baker. him. He's better than Baker. I think he's a better version of Baker right now. He's better than Aiden O'Connell. He's better than Zach Wilson for sure. Mm -hmm. I mean, Josh Dobbs, I know he's a great story. Russell Wilson. Like, I mean, there's 10, 12 quarterbacks who you, you can take him over no doubt right now and for fantasy he's better than all but like 20 all but like 10 quarterbacks it's really amazing uh what he's doing and it's a great matchup too the giants outside corners are extremely exploitable what do you make of this uh, it's not even a resurgence because it's never really happened before but this you know coming out party for brian robinson as a receiver here six for 119 and a touchdown i mean he only had 14 receptions on the season Coming into the yeah. game, uh, you know, is this kind of just a one-off wacky thing? Like, don't read too much kind of, into it. Kind of fluky, yeah. Uh, but I, I have a hard time sitting him because he's looked good. You know, I talked to Kaplan yesterday, and he's like, they've just, Ron Rivera has just determined that letting Eric Bieniemy call the offense the way Bieniemy thinks it should be called is the best way to ensure that Ron Rivera and Eric Bieniemy have jobs next year. And it's worked. So Ron Rivera, in good coaching move, has decided, all right, let's capitulate to this. Let's lean into the pass-heavy aspect. I don't think it's Brian Robinson's fault. I just think they think they're better on the perimeter than they are in the middle of the field. And Brian Robinson has looked good enough that they're like, we'll give you some targets. And he's bought in too. So I, I, I think last week was a fluke, but I'm still think he's a solid RB too because now we, we, he has that element to his game that he can lean on if they need him to. Yeah, and they're going to pound the rock in the second half while they're smoking the, the hapless Giants. We don't really have to touch on any Giants Antonio guys. Antonio hasn't practiced, practiced this week. 
by the way. Ooh. So maybe even wheels up even more for uh, for Brian Robinson. If you got Saquon, sorry, you got to plug him in your lineup. Other than that, forget the Giants. Tampa Bay, the Buccaneers at San Francisco in a four oh five game could be a fun one to watch. You know, the guys in Vegas seem to think it won't be 49ers, 11-point home favorites over the fight in Baker Mayfields. That's surprising to me. I didn't think it would be that high, but, you know, here we are. That's, you know, also you got to look at the injuries on defense for uh, Tampa Bay. You know, Devin White, DNP with a foot. You know, their corners and secondary get a little banged up here. And, you know, yeah. it kind of is what it is. When you talk yeah. Bucks. Rashad White, though, Joe, I mean, can this guy, he's basically a wide receiver right now playing running back. Yeah, <laughs> he, he that's a, nothing on the ground. And that's what that's what scares you a little bit, even though they realize how good he is in the open field. He had a good matchup last week. That Titan run defense has kind of collapsed. But White actually had his fewest yards before contact per attempt on the ground last week against Tennessee. He averaged a fifth of a yard before contact which was his lowest of the entire season. Now, fortunately, he continues to get it done in the passing game, but last week was a really bad sign that he couldn't run. After a good performance in week nine, you're like, all right, you know, things are picking up here a little bit. Last week was kind of back to where he's been. He's averaging just 3.2 yards per carry this year. It's tough. You know, you're going to start Mike Evans, Chris Godwin. 49ers have been exploitable on the outside this year. Uh, You're going to keep rolling with those guys and, I mean, there's not much we have to say about the San Francisco offense. Anybody, yeah, anybody with a San Francisco helmet in your on your roster, you're pretty much plugging them in. The Kittle, uh, the Kittle bad games are coming. With D, we the numbers suggest that Debo and Ayuk both being in the lineup means a bad game is happening for Kittle. But Drake, I just don't know how you sit a tight end who can bust off a 50 yard touchdown any given week. It, it, he's just a guy who you have to understand the five point game could happen, but so could the 20 point game. Yeah, I mean, three straight games with 13-plus fantasy points. So if you're riding Georgie Kittle uh, all the way to the fantasy playoffs. So, yeah, not much breakdown you guys need from that. How about the J-E-T-S Jets, Jets, Jets coming to Orchard Park to take on the Bills, who are just in disarray after the <laughs> debacle on Monday night. The Giants, Gi- or excuse me, the Giants, the Bills changing offensive coordinators now. Uh, Joe Brady will take over. Ken Dorsey. His bags are packed because, of course, the offensive coordinator was in charge of the 12 men on the field during that field goal attempt at the end of the game. But someone had, yeah, someone had to be, their feet had to be held to the fire. You know, let's, let's start with the Jets. Zach Wilson sucks. We talk about every week. Garrett Wilson, you're going to start just because Garrett Wilson's good. Uh, And then uh, Brees Hall breaks off something long. I mean, yeah, because what kind of breakdown can you give on Brees Hall? They don't do anything. They, they got rid of Michael Carter. Yeah, here's here's the numbers on 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 Brees Hall. Uh, over the last uh, five weeks, um, the Jets' run game has completely collapsed. They topped 160 non-scramble rushing yards twice in the first five weeks, including, by the way, 166 against the Bills. Because remember, Brees Hall had that long run. Uh, in that game in week one, but they've fallen below 60 yards in each of their last four games. Um, Over that span, Brees Hall has just 134 yards on 53 carries. That's 2.53 yards per carry. And his lone touchdown over that span, Drake, came when the Eagles let him score. I remember that play. So (laughs) remember, they just let him in the end zone because they wanted to get the ball back. And um, so it has not been pretty. Now, of course, he busts off big plays in the in the pass game and can always bust off a big play in the run game. So I don't know how you really sit him, but that run game is completely collapsed behind a poor offensive line. Terrible job by the Jets at the deadline, not, not even asking about Josh Dobbs, uh, presuming they didn't ask about Josh Dobbs. And Did I would guess see- there was no bidding war for Josh Dobbs, given what he went for. Did you see today, uh, today being when uh, Thursday when we record this, Ryan Tannehill asked for a release? from the Titans, if they grant that, and again, why wouldn't they? What do they care at this point? They've moved on from him. Could Ryan Tannehill end up maybe in New York or Cleveland? It feels like the Jets have like just stapled themselves to the ground with this Zach Wilson thing. It's um, so dumb. It's dumb. They wanted, like, the word I got was they wanted to evaluate him. That's completely fair. What's left to evaluate? He's a backup quarterback at best. 
Yeah. So I, I don't know, man. I, if I were the Browns or, or the Jets, I would absolutely take the shot. But I, I don't know what what's going to happen. You would feel like the Falcons might take a take a dive before either one of those teams does. Yeah, I mean, somebody will probably scoop them up. All right, the Bills. Joe Brady's going to take over play calling duties. You guys might remember Joe Brady from his college time as the OC of the LSU uh, team that had Jamar Chase, that had uh, T. Higgins, that had. Uh, uh, Joe Burrow, so uh, not not a bad team. No, not T Higgins. Not, not, not T Higgins. Excuse me. They had uh, now you're Justin, Justin Jefferson. Jefferson. Yeah, Justin yes. Jefferson. Uh, I mean, Jesus, I could have called plays for that offense. What do you think changes, if anything, here in <laughs> Buffalo? I mean, they're not going to go change know. the scheme or anything. It's you need I don't to execute. Know. Like, do they run the ball more? Like, come on. Like, is Ken Dorsey really at fault for a Josh Allen throwing the ball 150 miles an hour? And it's still being a ball that that Gabe Davis should have caught. Like it does, it does feel like maybe they had some sequencing problems, but it feels like a scapegoat firing to me. I'm really not sure. Like Joe Brady got fired in Carolina for throwing the ball too much, and guys not getting open. Like are they are they going to become even more pass heavy in in Buffalo? Which once again means that all their entire offensive approach is here is Josh Allen hero ball, mm. because that's what's going to get you in trouble in the first place. And if you have Josh Allen. I don't know if I want to coach the turnovers out of him because the aggressiveness is what makes Josh Allen special. You don't turn him into Alex Smith. You know, it's why Brett Favre's a Hall of Famer. Brett Favre's a Hall of Famer for all the good and the bad that his style led to. You know, like, I I don't know what, what McDermott's doing. I just know if they don't turn this thing around, his ass is next. I saw, I think it was Orlovsky on ESPN. It was a really good breakdown of the Bills. And he said the problem with the Buffalo Bills offense is it's the simplest offense in the league to break down. He goes, you can look at their team right now, and I can tell you for a fact, watching on film, if they come out in this look, they're either running one of two plays. If they come out in this look, it's this play or this play. He goes, everybody knows it. It's the simplest offense in the league to break down. And they don't motion. They don't do anything. So it's uh, go make a play. Josh is their offense. And I don't know how much that's going to change under Joe, Joe Brady. Yeah. And it's one of the things guys, if you've got these bills players again, you're just putting them in the lineup because it's too electric of an offense to sit these guys. So hopefully things turn around for you in Buffalo. All right, let's go out to LA where the Rams are. Ooh, this is uh, almost a pick them right here with the Seattle Seahawks. This should be a fun game. Matty Stafford looks like he's going to return for the Rams. That's going to do wonders, we would assume, for Puka Nakua, for Cooper Cup, for this whole Rams offense with the sprained UCL. Just hope he doesn't re-injure that because I was watching a video today about Matthew Stafford and his hand that, you know, that thing, one little hit, and that could re-injure it, and he's done. So mm-hmm. uh, ride the wave while you can, folks, <laughs> I guess, with uh, with Stafford and these Rams. What kind of hope do you have for Nakua, for Cup? for any piece of this Rams offense heading into the fantasy playoffs? Because they were carrying you, Joe, early in the season. Now they haven't given you crap in three weeks. Yeah, um, it's a lot less than it was six weeks ago. I'll tell you that much. Um, But at the very least, I know Carson Wentz is better than Brett Rippon. Mm -hmm. So in the event that Stafford does go down, I think Wentz will probably give them a little bit of life. He'll at least challenge defenders. Um, and and trust these receivers, but um, I, I feel a little bit better. But this is a brutal matchup, you know, against this Seattle secondary. This is a really good secondary that Seattle throws out there, and um, you know, Reek Woolen and Devin Witherspoon. These are good freaking players here um, in the secondary, and I so I think you maybe make it a little bit of a uh, of a. Uh, of a downgrade here, even with Stafford back, but I certainly feel better than I did last week with Brett Rippon out there. Ken Walker flipping over to Seattle. You know, he kind of got back in, in the good graces of fantasy owners. Everybody was talking about Zach Charbonnet for the last week or two. And Charbonnet is running more routes. He's there passing down He's back snapping him too. Yeah. I mean, but Ken Walker's a guy, you know, they're going to give him 60% of the carries and he's going to go out there and, and just run the rock. So you got to kind of hang on to him. I told everybody in America, go get DK Metcalf. Uh, The schedule down the stretch for 
this Seattle pass game is off the freaking charts, folks. You want to have these guys. Trust me. Uh, best game, I think, of the year for DK. The regression to the mean, meaning he's going to score some touchdowns, that's coming also. So that's my uh, little two cents to everybody out there. Go get DK freaking Metcalf because I think he's going to win people leagues down the stretch. And I I, I wonder if Zach Charbonnet's out there on your waiver wire. Or maybe you can even get him in a trade throw in because I did wonder when they drafted Charbonnet. And obviously it hasn't worked out this way because Ken Walker makes a big play every week. But I did wonder how much at some point, especially if the Seahawks started to struggle as they have a little bit lately offensively, how much his freewheeling style was going to grind on Pete Carroll. And I think it has. I think it's gotten to the point where with Pete Carroll, he's he'd rather have a guy who goes forward for four yards than a guy who might go backwards for four and forwards for 40. What do you think of JSN uh, having a really good last couple of games right here? Again, they're not big numbers. Yeah, you know. it's just kind of meh, right? He's like old Tyler Boyd, right? That's kind of what he's doing. Mm -hmm. You can use him yeah. as a wide receiver three, but you prefer him as your four. Yeah, and, and Tyler Lockett's Tyler Lockett. You get a big week, you get a down week. And hopefully you get more big weeks than you do down weeks. But again, folks, this Seattle pass game, last four games of the season, uh, at 49ers, against the Eagles at home, good Lord, there's going to be 75 points apiece scored in that one. At Tennessee, great matchup, championship week, they play the Steelers. So go out and get some pieces of this Seattle offense uh, if you like winning fantasy football games. All right, well, it's our next game here on the docket. Vikings-Broncos. All right, all right. I, I, I called it last week, Joe. It's we fine. put it out on social media. Broncos were going to go in, and they were going to win that game in Buffalo, and damn it, they did. Now they got to take on Josh Dobbs. You know, everyone's All-American uh, at home here. This I think this is going to be a blast to watch. I can't wait to watch these two offenses, who I think Denver's improving. I think they're going to be serviceable down the stretch. Um, I, I will guarantee you that the NFL who got a lot of heat and at the time, justifiably so for not flexing this game out, especially since Denver was in prime time enough last year is, is kind of wiping its brow because the NFL now has is Josh Dobbs for real in prime time and is mm -hmm. Russell Wilson's kind of Russell Wilson hasn't bounced all the way back Drake, but it feels like there's a little bit more air in the ball. You know, it feels like they've been trying to pump it up and maybe it hasn't all taken hold, but, you know, there might be something here. He made that throw to Cortland Sutton in the game against Buffalo, you know, where he, he ran backwards in true Russell Wilson fashion, 15 yards, and he's rolling around and you're like, what the hell is he doing? And then he threw it to the perfect spot and let his receiver make a play. That was the first play I think I remember. Maybe I'm blocking something else out. And I'm sure I am. But that was the first play <laughs> I actively remember saying at the time that was Seattle Russ. Mm -hmm. and that's a great call you know a play where it shouldn't have worked but it did and then when in seattle you just started to take those places oh that's what russ does you know that those things just happen for him and it, they don't work for anybody else i i kind of agree with you i'm kind of excited to watch the, this this game both of these teams are in the playoff hunt and for fantasy purposes javante williams is developing into a bell cow Cortland mm -hmm. Sutton has been a receiver you can use every week. I'm not even a Sutton guy, but I have to admit that. Justin Jefferson could be back this week. Josh Dobbs has been the QB3 since getting traded to Minnesota, and he didn't even start one of the two games he's played in. Um, TJ Hawkinson is a go-to tight end. I mean, there's a lot of fantasy intrigue in this game, in addition to NFL intrigue. It's actually a fun Sunday night football game. So, yeah, the, the matchup mm -hmm. on paper doesn't look great, but when you break it down, you're like, oh, man, there's a lot to like about this game. There's a lot to like about this entire primetime slate. If you're looking to buy a running back going to the trade deadline, let me offer you the name Javante Williams, as you just mentioned. Kind of a tough matchup this week, but if you look at what they're doing with Javante, last three games per Scott Barrett's Everything Report, 21 carries on average, uh, almost four targets, over 101 yards from scrimmage, and on average, nearly 16 fantasy points per game. That is awesome. I want that in my lineup. Imagine if you get that as your RB2 or your flex. Wheels up for him. On the other side, Joe, Madison, concussion, probably doesn't play, opens the door for Ty Chandler, hot name off the waiver wire. If somebody scooped Chandler this week, you feel confident plugging him in against Denver? Yeah. 
and he outplayed in a in a small sample size, by the way, outplayed Madison while both were in the lineup last week against uh, um, against the Saints. So I think I would absolutely trust Ty Chandler as an RB two. And oh, by the way, he's playing the Broncos. So I mean, geez, Louise, it doesn't get any better of a matchup uh, for a running back. Then there's these two, uh, you know, up and coming teams trying to find their way on Monday night. Maybe we'll turn it on and. You know, see if it strikes our fancy. The Philadelphia Eagles head to Arrowhead to take on the Kansas City Chiefs in a rematch of last year's Super Bowl. I can't wait to watch this game. I can just sit back as an Eagles fan with an open mind. I assume the Eagles are going to lose this game. So I'm kind of going into it and saying, you know what? I just let it happen. Let, let's see if the Eagles can surprise me. And it wouldn't shock me if the Eagles went in there and won the game at all. Oh, no. It's a three-point line, so it's yeah. That's it's not like it's, it's not like it's a it's a, it's a big spread. Yeah, Eagles are getting back uh, Cam Jurgens at right guard. We'll see if that can help spark DeAndre Swift a little bit. This Kansas City defense is no joke, folks. They are very very good, and if they're on your waiver wire, you might want to pick them up because uh, they've been lights out and they got a good schedule the rest of the way. I want to see. Can the Eagles move the ball down the field on this KC defense? Can we get Devonta Smith involved with Dallas Goddard out? His numbers are, you know, really improved in the games that Goddard doesn't play. And guess what? There ain't going to be Goddard for a while. And remember, Devonta Smith was uh, a big time uh, factor in the second half of last season, uh, over which Goddard missed some time. I think the, I don't believe the Eagles have, as of yet, put Goddard on IR, so they think he maybe could be back within that four-game window. Remember, obviously, there he essentially is getting two weeks of rest all from the outset because the bye was well timed for Philadelphia. Um, so I wonder if they think he could be back within two or three weeks, which is why they haven't put him on IR. Um, Lejarius Sneed is probably going to shadow AJ Brown. Our numbers like Legarius Sneed in coverage. Uh, others like PFF don't rate him as highly. Uh, mm-hmm. And by the way, shout, somebody shadowing AJ Brown is not a matchup where you're going to sit AJ Brown anyway. It just doesn't no. happen. So that's not that big a deal. The biggest question I have about this game um, from a fantasy perspective, because the Eagles, you start your Eagles, right? They're actually one of the least interesting teams to talk about from a fantasy perspective because you can't sit Brown, Smith, Swift, or Hurts. So. Mm-hmm. They're one of the least interesting things to, teams to talk about from that perspective. It's the Chiefs. Because the Eagles have hemorrhaged points to the slot this year. Oh, um, as, been as you're well aware, look, they lost Devontae Maddox, who's one of the best slot defenders and is also made out of paper mache uh, in week two to a torn pectoral muscle. Since then, it's been a revolving door for the Eagles. But Bradley Roby is supposed to come back this week and say what you want about Bradley Roby. He's a veteran who knows how to play in the slot. You know, they've been going with, you know, they put James Bradbury in there. It's not his natural position. They put Eli Ricks in there, who's a UDFA. It's not his natural position. They put Sidney Brown in there. He's a safety. And they're trying to cover CeeDee Lamb with these guys. You know that Andy Reid is going to know that that's where the Eagles are exploitable. Andy Reid is notorious for coming out of the bye and breaking down matchups and winning. I think he's like 29 and four out of the bye in his career. Rasheed Rice has been their slot receiver. Also, as you well know, Drake, he's been their best receiver. He's been their most productive receiver outside of Travis Kelsey. I think he's going to get more work. But can Bradley Roby help assuage the concerns the Eagles have? The Eagles have had problems with wide receivers. The Chiefs don't have wide receivers. So this is a really interesting matchup because the Chiefs have big, slow offensive tackles. The Eagles have those fastball pass rushers. And the the sod father isn't on the Chiefs' side in this game. You know, like that field in the Super Bowl, it was bad on both sides. You know, I think both teams acknowledge that. It's not going to be the case in Arrowhead. That's going to be the matchup that defines this. And if I have Rasheed Rice, I think I'm playing him based on how the Eagles have hemorrhage points to slot receivers. But it's going to be interesting to see Sean Desai's uh, adjustments out of the bye and Andy Reid's adjustments out of the bye, given that that's where the Eagles' biggest weakness is. Over the last two games, the Eagles have given up nearly 300 yards to just two players playing the slot. C.D. Lamb went for a buck ninety-one. Jamison Crowder went for ninety-five yards. That's redonkulous. So I think Kelsey's going to eat it up in there. Rice is going to have a great, great day. And I'm calling it right now. Our, Trey and all the guys on the social media team, get ready. Philadelphia's corners are old and slow. Justin Watson, 
or MVS or whoever they can get out of mothballs is going to break a long touchdown on this Eagles secondary because they can't run. And it, trust me, Andy Reid's going to exploit it and take some deep shots. Yeah, and it's the matter of – it's how the Eagles have built their, their defense, though, Drake. And the Eagles trust the, the pass rush to get home. And if it doesn't, they're going to have problems. Every team has problems if the pass rush doesn't get home. But the Eagles are so uniquely built in that they're so top-heavy up front, and they're they're really hoping that Bradley Roby and then, of course, Kevin Byard, the safety they got before the trade deadline, comes back after getting assimilated over the bye. That is going to be fascinating because if the Eagles secondary at close to full strength because they don't have Avante Maddox can come out and put together a solid performance against the Chiefs, I think people are going to look at them as being – whether or not they win – if they, if especially if they win, but if they hold Mahomes to under 300 yards in this game, I think people are going to be like, oh, okay, maybe the secondary is going to work. If it's the same defense that allowed Sam Howell to go for 350, then people are going to be, and rightfully so, very skeptical. Tough matchup for Isaiah Pacheco. Uh, he did go for 76 yards and a score against the Birds in the Super Bowl, but Philly really tough on the ground. Yeah, um, and tougher than they were last year on the ground. No question about it. Can't wait to crack an adult beverage and watch that one, Joe. Well, that'll put a bow on week 11. Woo! Boy, oh boy, it's nut-cutting time, how as we like to it? say here. Yeah, how about it. it? All right, everybody. Good luck out there at your trade deadlines. If you got a trade question, feel free to run it by us. Again, I'm at Drake Fantasy. Joe's at FG underscore Dolan. And we'll see you next week in your two-point stand. Thanks for tuning in to this edition of the Fantasy Points Podcast. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite platform. And come join the roster at FantasyPoints.com. Fantasy Points.